Robert Greene Ingersoll, the renowned 19th century orator and politician, also known as the great agnostic for his religious views, called Peoria home for much of his life. Ingersoll was the focus of historian Justin Clark's graduate research. He told WCBU correspondent Steve Tarter about Ingersoll's relationship with socialist Eugene V. Debs. Um, Robert Ingersoll, um, for those who don't know, um, was sort of one of Peoria's uh, you know, most famous uh, figures who lived there for a very, very long time, um, was known as the great agnostic. He was a um, politician. He was an orator. He was a lawyer. And he was sort of, uh, you know, kind of like the Christopher Hitchens of his day. He was very <laughs> critical of religion and gave speeches across the country um, criticizing religion and the Bible and Christianity. And he was second really only to Mark Twain um, by the end of the 19th 19th century as the most famous public speaker in America. Um, and so he was very, very famous. And for over 20 years, he had a, a very close relationship with Eugene Debs, um, who was from Terre Haute, Indiana, and um, which is about 200, I think it's about a little less than 200 miles or so away from Peoria. And uh, Debs, of course, was the um, the uh, the head of sort of the the golden age of American socialism in the early 20th century. He was a labor organizer and a multi-time presidential candidate, um, and he ran for president uh, in 1920 while imprisoned as a political prisoner for speaking out against World War One and, and received nearly a million votes in that election. Wow. And he and Debs were very, very close. They first met in 1878. Um, uh, Debs had invited Ingersoll to come and speak to a local literary organization, very much like the one I spoke to um, in Peoria. And Ingersoll gave a talk in 1878. And that kind of started a friendship. Um, and over time, you could really get a sense both from Ingersoll's um, oratorical skills and his political ideas that he was an influence on Debs. Um, was was Debs a, an outstanding orator as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in many ways, he actually credits his friendship um, to, to Ingersoll as one of the big influences on his being a very successful orator um, at the turn of the 20th century, he was he uh, Debs was one of the most famous public speakers in America, spoke to thousands upon thousands of people um, as head of the um, the American Socialist Party and um, as a presidential candidate and labor organizer. And the Americans we're talking about, of course, another era here, but yep, the America, the socialism didn't have the stigma. It did it. Oh, yeah. I'll let you tell me. Uh, yeah. At so, that time that, that it does now, it seems like. Yeah. So the golden age of American socialism, as described by historian Daniel Bell, is usually about 1902 to 1912, um, even though Debs was pretty active within the socialist and labor movement till his death in 1926. Um, but basically from, you know, the early you know, 1900s up until the mid to late 1930s, there was a huge uh, resurgence of left political activity in the United States. You had the American Socialist Party. Eventually, you would have the American <laughs> Communist Party, which was founded in 1919. Um, and, um, and some of these would run presidential candidates. And in 1912, Debs won a million votes, nearly a million votes in that election. Um, for those of you who are presidential history buffs, 1912 is kind of a special year because that was the year that Theodore Roosevelt decided to run for an unprecedented third term on the Progressive Party or the Bull Moose Party, splitting the Republican Party ticket between him and the incumbent William Howard Taft, 
which led to the election of Democrat Woodrow Wilson. Um, and then, of course, in 1920, Debs runs again. Um, socialism certainly had more of a stigma by the time you get into American involvement in World War One. Um, but there had always been, um, you know, sort of uh, political um, persecution of left po- politics and left politicians, um, whether it was um, the the um, the near murder of of uh, Henry Clay Frick at the um, at one of the uh, the the steel plants that was owned by Andrew Carnegie, um, by an anarchist named Alexander Berkman, who was an associate um, of Emma Goldman, who was also a very prominent anarchist. Um, she, for her, uh, and then of course, in 1901, um, President William McKinley was killed by an anarchist, a man named uh, Anton Chugosh. So, you know, there was always this sort of left-wing political agitation in the country, and it always kind of had somewhat of a stigma but there were more people involved back then than say today. So for example, in, on the modern left today, you know, probably the largest socialist organization in the United States is the Democratic Socialists of America or the DSA. And they have about a hundred thousand members. Um, and that's pretty large. Um, and, and I think especially uh, due to um, the, uh, the presidential candidacies of Bernie Sanders, the Senator from Vermont socialism has mm-hmm. certainly had much more of an uptick these days. Um, but pre, you know, but there people sort of think that there was a red scare in the forties and fifties and there absolutely was, but there was also another red scare in the late 19 teens, early 1920s, especially after the Bolshevik revolution in 1917 and the emergence of the Soviet union. Um, I hope I'm not talking around on this a little bit, but long story short, um, I think that more people were certainly involved in the socialist movement a hundred years ago, um, than they are today. Um, but there was always kind of a stigma around it. We're talking with, uh, Justin Clark, a public historian from the Indiana Historical Bureau. Uh, Justin, what drew you to Ingersoll? I got interested in learning about Robert Ingersoll when I was um, an undergrad. I just thought he was this fascinating character who was beloved by many. And like I said, was you know next to Mark Twain, the most famous public speaker in America in the late 19th, 19th century, and was largely sort of forgotten. Um, people have often described him as the most famous American you've never heard of. So I just found Ingersoll to be this like immensely fascinating figure. And one thing that I had found in the literature was that they hadn't, there hadn't really been a good study about his influence on the Midwest and what being a Midwesterner sort of played into his, um, his own development as a politician, as a lawyer, and as a sort of iconoclastic religious thinker. And so I started to look in his research and I found a ton of really interesting things. I wrote about uh, another sort of Illinoisan, to a certain extent, uh, the evangelical preacher Dwight Moody. Um, who is kind of the one of the progenitors of the modern evangelistic movement in the United States. And they're sort of very public debates, although they never they were never in the same place to do a formal debate. But what they would do is Moody would go to a town and speak about religion or speak about Christianity. And then Ingersoll would come in that town the next day or after and basically say, like, you know, <laughs> Moody's full of it. And they kind of went back and forth for many years. Postmark Peoria is a co-production of WCBU and Mike Sable. If you want even more stories about Peoria history, you can subscribe to the Postmark Peoria podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the NPR app.